Hi, and welcome to The Sustainable Century, where we explore with experts, with leaders, activists, communities of interest, mothers, fathers, and kids, how to buy, how to work, and how to invest for happier lives and a healthier planet. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. Hello, today's guest is Eugene Elman. Eugene is one of the founders of the modern sustainable and responsible investment movement in Canada. Although uh, back when we started out, it was called ethical investment. It's had a lot of changes since, right, Eugene? He's been That's a driving great, force for change as a journalist, a financial cooperative executive. He was a director of the Social Investment Organization, now the Responsible Investment Association of Canada, and most recently was director of Oiko Credit Canada, and a long time ago had a stint in the Bob Ray government of Ontario. That was the NDP government way back in 1990. Uh, Eugene now hails from Hamilton, Ontario in Canada, home of the Great Cup finalists, the Tiger Cats of the <laughs> Football League. Nice to see them winning and even nicer to talk with you today. Welcome, Eugene. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be here. Great. Uh, we've got a lot of catching up to do, but tell me, yeah. um, you've had a great and diverse career working nationally and internationally. Tell us a little bit about what you've been mixed up in lately. Yeah, the, uh, the organization that I've been working with uh, most recently is called the Canada Forum for Impact Investment and Development. And it's a great group of people. It's about 70 organizations, uh, nonprofits, asset managers, uh, financial people. And, um, and their aim and objective is to increase impact investment, Canadian impact investment around the world, really to, and to line up with the sustainable development goals of eliminating poverty and, and improving gender diversity. Oh, great. And you guys you recently just did a, a, a publication, correct? Yeah. So they, one of the things they asked me to do, I'm retired now, so I'm not, I'm not doing this as a paid gig, but uh, I was asked by the group to help out in the writing of a report uh, to document uh, impact, Canadian impact investing in what they call emerging and frontier markets, which is basically developing countries around the world. And this is the first time that this has been documented. And then in addition to documenting like the dollars, the dollars and the numbers, we also did a consultation to figure out how we grow this sector, which is so important for, for raising money uh, to achieve the sustainable development goals around the world. Right. And so, you know, a lot of people have heard the term impact investment. I, I, have you got a handy definition that we can relate yeah. to? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, impact investing is like environmental social governance investing or socially responsible investing, but but rather than just trying to get the best ESG performance out of a public company or screening out certain companies from portfolios, it goes right to the heart of trying to get uh, impact. So uh, the, the, the crucial difference between impact investing and responsible investing is that it's intentional you're intentionally trying to go out there and create social and environmental impact. And that's, uh, I think that's the most exciting dimension of responsible investment. I've, I've worked in various uh, fields in the responsible investment movement in my life. Um, but I think this is the, this is the one that holds the most potential for change and the most potential for transformation. Yeah. I mean, 
way back when we first started in uh, what we, I guess, call today response, sustainable and responsible investment. I mean, uh, the, the terms have changed over the years, obviously. Yeah, Most of it was kind of what we called negative or screening. So you yeah. just avoid the worst crap and, and take the least. A friend of mine used to say it was like inviting the... Uh, uh, it was like inviting the robbers to the party, but uh, not not inviting the axe murderers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but so, but I mean, I, I guess it's sort of like the the natural extension towards wanting to do something purposefully and with a greater uh, with a greater impact. That's right. Yeah, it's it's conscious. It's being completely conscious uh, about trying to get that impact out of your investment. Well, t- why don't you give us a couple of, you know, like examples of some of the uh, members of the of the Canadian Forum for Impact Investment and Development, uh, some of their uh, investments that they're making? Yeah. Well, one of the ones that I'm most uh, proud of and I had a hand in creating was the Oiko Credit Global Impact Guaranteed Investment Certificate. Um, so this is this is a guaranteed investment certificate. So the investors in it can't lose their money there. It's guaranteed by, uh, by deposit insurance. And it's available at a, at a credit union in Ontario called Kindred Credit Union. And all the funds that are raised in it are uh, invested in the Oiko Credit pool on a quarterly basis. So it goes to support all of the good work around the world in Oiko Credit and microfinance and sustainable agriculture and renewable energy. But it's available to ordinary Canadian investors with who want to invest as little as $250. So I, I, I was really proud to be a part of this. We've raised about $8 million since the wow. program got started. That's incredible. In 2015. Yeah. Wow. And um, so, yeah, I was really proud of that. And that's just in one, it's just available in that, in the Kindred Credit Union. That's right. Yeah. You, uh, it's available to any, any resident of Ontario, um, right. but it is, it is fairly limited. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how, how would that work? I mean, if you were just somebody that lives, say, in uh, Toronto, and you wanted to make an investment in, in that particular vehicle, how would you do that? Yeah, call up, uh, call up Kindred Credit Union. They're based in Waterloo, Ontario, but uh, just uh, call them up, talk to the, to the person at the uh, membership desk, and uh, they'll sign you up and, and get you going on it. Well, that's fantastic. Hey, listen, so in your report, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, well, in describing your report, you mentioned that you, you sort of tallied up the number of dollars that were invested in this kind of investment in Canada. And, and what kind of figures are we looking at here? It's, it's substantial. It's uh, over $2 billion. So and that, rep- that is invested by about 18 players, um, which include nonprofits and asset managers. And um, that money is invested in Africa, Latin America, uh, uh, Asia, and uh, and India. Okay. And um, it's uh, it's it's a substantial amount of money, but uh, we believe that we can do a whole lot better than that. There must be a reciprocal amount or a larger amount of impact investment in in Canada. I mean, I, one of the things about in impact investment is that it there's a strong pull uh, by a lot of people to invest in their own communities. I mean, is there a reciprocal study or anything that people can look to to find out how much invested actually in Canada? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, the Responsible Investment Association uh, does a, a survey every couple of years, and their last numbers are that the total amount of impact investment in Canada is 
14.75 billion. Wow. So that includes some of the international impact investing that our report covered. So our in terms of international investing, it represents about 14 or 15 percent of the total. But most, uh, like most of the uh, money out there in in the impact sector, is invested domestically and locally in Canada. Right. Well, just just before we take a break, I wanted to ask you. You know, some of the main areas that were listed in the report it was agriculture that were invested in was agriculture and agribusiness, financial services, uh, green growth, renewable energy, these sorts of things. I. Given the challenges of climate change, particularly, but inequality and biodiversity loss, I mean, where, where are some of the key sectors you see going forward for this kind of investment? Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good point. I, I think climate change is going to be one of the, the biggest ones. Uh, renewable energy is a very, very uh, growing sector. Uh, when I was working at Oiko Credit, we put money into quite a number of renewable energy projects in Africa, for example, um, uh, off-grid solar units uh, are going to be tremendously growing in in, uh, the future. And I think this holds a lot of potential. And of course, sustainable agriculture as well. I mean, how are we going to feed the the world's growing population without devastating the land uh, on which it's based. Yeah. I mean, there's dual challenges there and three challenges there that I can see. The first is, you know, still growing population in most regions. The second one is climate change and resilience that's required. I mean, we're losing actual agricultural land as we speak because of climate change, both through salination and intrusion of salt water and, you know, droughts and desertification. But I think also, you know, this whole issue, and I think this is underrepresented. I don't know if it's underrepresented in your study, but certainly, uh, you know, by lost biodiversity loss in, in terms of, you know, the most popular ones are bees, but we're seeing it with koalas, we're seeing it with fish, we're seeing it with everything. And it would be great to see some real great impact funds, you know, trying to figure out what, what we, I guess is called um, agroecology. I don't know if there was any of that in, in any of the stuff that you saw. Right. Uh, there is. Uh, some of the sustainable agriculture projects do do invest in sustainable forestry at the same time. But I don't think there's anything like a fund that's devoted to it, and that would be a terrific idea. Yeah, there there actually is one fund, just so you know, okay. I, but it's a donor fund. It's not an investment fund, but okay. maybe it's something that could be looked at. We did a podcast with... Uh, the executive director, Daniel Moss, of the Agroecology uh, Fund out of Boston just a little while ago. Anyways, uh, we'll talk about some more things. We're going to take a little break right now. Uh, we're speaking with Eugene Elman. He's, uh, he worked on the 2019 report on impact investing in emerging and frontier markets and is a longtime sustainable investment leader in Canada. Uh, if you want to see what uh, Eugene is up to, you can check him out at Twitter at Eugene Elman. E-U-G-E-N-E-E-L-L-M-E-N. I had to practice that one, Eugene. That's on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I think for years I called you L-Man instead of L-Men. But anyways, on Twitter, uh, you can get all his insights there for the treats. Uh, So we'll just uh, listen to a little bit of Bruce Springsteen.
was uh, Bruce Springsteen, Worlds Apart, from the album Rising. And we're back with Eugene Elman, who recently helped to write the 2019 report on impact investment, investing rather, in emerging and frontier markets. Uh, before we get going, Eugene, I wanted to let listeners know that they can still get the original Sustainable Investment Book for Canada, The Canadian Ethical Money Guide, written in 1996 by no other than our guest, Dean <laughs> Elman. I found one in mint condition, a first edition, $39.95 Canadian. My goodness. And it's only going up in value. <laughs> Is that right? Jeez. That's right. You did us a great service back then for plowing what has become very fertile ground, Eugene. I, I really want to let you know that. Uh, uh, that you did fantastic work back then and today. Uh, and as many Canadians know, there's over uh, $2 trillion in ESG or environmental uh, social government governance investments in Canada. That was up from about, uh, I guess when you wrote the book, I think there was about $40 million in that kind of investment in the country. Yeah, I don't remember, but it was pretty close to zero back in those days. Yeah, yeah the Mennonites were mucking about with some stuff. I remember yeah. that. And there was a, yeah. an environmental fund. But, uh, you know, we can't take uh, complete responsibility for that $2 trillion, but we'll take our fair share, right? Well, I think, I think you and I and, and Bob Walker, uh, we were, we, we really were, paved the way uh, for the industry to come. So, yeah. yeah and I then, think. yeah, thank goodness a lot, a lot smarter people than us came along. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, they've done a fantastic job. Um, anyways, listen, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, uh, we've seen a lot of talk uh, about the, about impact investment, about the actual growth of impact investment, particularly in the United States, but also obviously in Canada and Europe. And you say in your report, it's poised uh, for much more growth, which, you know, I don't, I don't think that's disputable, but I wanted to get a sense from you. I mean, if you look at what's growing in the United States, it seems to be more quantitative growth than qualitative growth in the sense that the impacts are getting better and better with each new dollar added. Is it getting big, better, not just bigger? Well, I, I think if you're talking about impact investing, uh, there's no doubt that it is getting better uh, because the, the people that are doing it are, are quite conscious about, about doing it and, and are absolutely committed to it. But that's not to say that there aren't a whole bunch of funds out there that are pretending to be ESG funds in mm. the responsible investment space and, um, and yet putting fossil fuel companies in or pipeline companies. I mean, that's a pretty big controversy these days about how ESG funds are, are actually still continuing to invest in fossil fuels. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to come back and ask a question about systemic change as opposed to, you know, sort of like uh, localized or one-off change. But, right. you know, you, you brought this thing up about pipelines and whatnot. And, and, you know, if you look at the big investment banks like uh, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan in the United States, they have, quote, unquote, large portfolios of impact investment. Okay, right. so, you know, they control you know, and BlackRock, for example, has $6 trillion under management. Okay. And if you, you look at the structure of their investments and you see what they're actually investment in, you go, oh my God, how, how, why does it matter that they have a small 
you know, impact investment fund when, you know, they're all salivating and, and quite frankly, a little bit pissed off right now that they've been shut out of the Aramco uh, IPO in Saudi Arabia, which is, you know, standing on, you know, more oil than the world could possibly absorb in, you know, 4,000 years, let alone in the next 12 or 13 years. Yeah. Well, I think we've got to be really careful about this term impact investing because it is being uh, used by some of the mainstream players and to to really uh, call their funds, which, which should be called ESG funds rather than impact funds right. uh, because they do apply some ESG standards on it. Yeah. But by no stretch of the imagination are these companies actually going out with the mission and mandate to achieve social and environmental change. Yeah. Uh, it's just simply uh, applying some ESG standards to pretty conventional investing. Well, you know, I have, I have pet peeves or rather I'll be honest. I have big hates on for a couple of companies. Exxon is one of them and JP Morgan is the other one because, you know, you get these guys standing up in the press, you know, saying all these wonderful and nice things like on the business roundtable, for example, and their commitment to a stakeholder led economy over, you know, sort of a shareholder led economy. How do we trust them and how do we get them to actually make a change? So for example, you know, JP Morgan, 98% of it, the assets that it manages are, are, are what we could consider destructive to the, you know, to the, the global uh, environment. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a few things that could be done. I mean, certainly, if you're an individual investor, um, invest in some of the ESG funds that do have strong standards and, and uh, good, good ESG policies. But uh, I think we should all, but in a much bigger uh, way, we should also be pressing our, our pension funds to, right. to make the, the big investments. Uh, right. Because right now the pension funds are more or less on the sidelines. Uh, there are some pension funds that are investing in renewable energy in, in North America or Europe or in, in the developing world. But, they're, but by far and away, they are the mainstream investors of today. And we've really got to start pressuring them to get on board. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, uh, particularly those that have are fortunate enough to have like a corporate or a government uh, pension plan often don't even realize that they can actually, you know, write a letter to the pension fund manager that that's been designated by the company or the government to sure. manage their funds. Yeah. And, and that has a big, that has a big impact, right? Sure. It does. Yeah. It, uh, because they, they, they want to keep their stakeholders happy. And, right. Uh, when they start seeing these letters coming in, even as a trickle that may go to a flood, uh, they they take note of these and uh, they pay attention. Now I'm a little disappointed with you, Eugene. I mean, I I I pump I pimped your book, but you didn't pimp mine. People who want to learn a little bit about doing this, <laughs> I'll do it myself without shame. Is you can get a copy of my book. It's called Invest Like You Give a Damn, and uh, you'll see Eugene's name spotted throughout that book, as well as a bunch of other folks and funds. And one of the things that we you know do actually recommend, and it, it's interesting, uh, the Social Investment Forum of the United States uh, a couple of years ago did a little study and, and they found that uh, one of the most uh, persuasive things an investor could do to get their advisor or their pension fund uh, manager to even consider uh, sustainable and responsible investments is to actually to write a letter or to make a phone call. So that's good advice, Eugene. Yeah. I, I, let's change tracks for half a second. I mean, what can the individual do? There's a lot of real interest in impact investment. And you talked about one fund, 
that people could invest in. Do you think it, but it's hard to get in, invested in this kind of stuff. Do you think it should be easier? And, and what are some of the challenges and maybe some of the cautions that you would give uh, individual it, investors? Yeah, it, it is hard because the, the regulations, uh, the regulators and the policymakers that regulate the capital markets really are doing it for the benefit of the, of the big players, the banks, the asset managers, the insurance companies. And the reason, the reason that this has been set up this way is, was basically because to protect investors during the depression uh, who, were, um, who lost um, millions of dollars during the depression and then investor protection laws and regulations were put in place and that's good and that's that's essential but what that has served to do is create such a bureaucratic uh entanglement that only the most not only the highest asset companies are able to participate now so that means that small players like impact investors like the the, uh, the people involved in the canada forum for impact investment and development that are investing around the world have to contend with this morass of, of uh, regulation and compliance measures. So what we, one of the recommendations we make uh, in the report is to do a, a consultation with securities commissions. We name the Canadian Securities Administrators of Canada, but certainly in other countries, the same thing should happen to, to really put the whole question of impact investment on the table, say that, you know, this, this is a different beast. Um, it, it does not involve the uh, same level of risk as the enormity, enormous amounts involved in the capital markets through mainstream investments. And therefore it deserves, and, and because, it, because it's, its aim is to create social and, and environmental impact, it deserves a different regulatory footing. Yeah. So what we're saying is that there should be a consultation to create this new regulatory footing without creating undue risk for investors. Right, exactly. I know that in the United States, the Jobs Act is aiming directly at doing that. I don't know the status of it. I think it was actually passed, which allows people to make uh, investments up to 10% of their net worth, uh, liquid net worth in impact investments, say in a, a community activity of some type. I'm not sure the status of that, but it is in my book and you can check that out. I won't, mm. I won't pimp mm. that anymore. Hey, listen, uh, in the book, and, and we need to end on this, but in the book, you said impact investment community is the David against Goliath of the capital markets. Well, what that means is that uh, the, the capital markets are dominated by the, by the biggest players, by the Black Rocks and JP Morgans, as you said, in the United States, or, or the Canadian banks in Canada. And uh, they are controlling a monopoly. Uh, they're controlling the vast amounts of capital uh, between them and the, and the pension funds. And so the, the capital needs of our local communities here in North America or uh, communities around the world they're starving for capital, but because the capital markets are dominated by these giants, they're not able to receive the capital that they need to revitalize their economies or deal with climate change or create a more innovative system of agriculture. So what, what we're proposing is a number of recommendations in the report that will help to change the Canadian investment system 
to make it more responsive to investors who want to invest their money for impact around the world. But I, I think the same thing, a lot of the same recommendations could be put in place for local and domestic impact investing as well. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Eugene, I want to thank you for your uh, lifetime commitment to, to all this work and best of luck with these recommendations coming up thank you. in the future because I, okay. I know they're going to be important and hopefully they'll have some real impact. Uh, thanks again uh, to you, Eugene. Well, thanks. Thanks, Mark. Uh, you deserve a lot of credit for this podcast and for all the work you've done as well over the years. Okay. Thanks a lot, Eugene. We uh, were listening to Eugene Elman. Uh, he uh, helped out on with the Canadian Forum for Impact Investment and Development recent uh, assessment of international impact investment made by Canadians and Canadian institutions. You can uh, see Eugene's insights and thoughts at, on Twitter at Eugene Elman, that's E-U-G-E-N-E-E-L-L-M-E-N, Eugene Elman on Twitter. Uh, Thanks again, Eugene. I'm Mark D'Souza Shields, host of The Sustainable Century. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked it. If you did, I encourage you to check out The Sustainable Century blog at thesustainablecentury.net. Remember to click like in all the right places, Better yet, pass the blog or pass the pod along. And remember, it's up to you. It's up to us to make this a happier and healthier world.